Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pulse. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Well, welcome to our church family today. And if you're new to The Rock, we're in a series called Overflow, Going Beyond Your Limits. As we believe that God really wants each and every one of us to break out of areas that hold us back. And he wants us to become all that we were created to be. And right now, we are also just a couple of weeks away from celebrating Church on the Rock's 26th birthday, plus our annual Heart for the House Miracle offering. Now, the birthday is all about remembering God's goodness to us and having cake, plus loads of fun. So if you're able to join us in person, that would be great. And the offering is where we are all encouraged to sow a seed of faith into our future as well as into the kingdom's future through a one-off offering that is over and above our usual giving. Now, I want to say that through the years, Mark and I have seen more lives changed and go to another level through people's intentional generosity. We know that generosity gets God's heart and attention, but we also know that he has set principles in his word regarding sowing and reaping. And the first two parts of this series are on just that. They're on generosity and on sowing and reaping. And I really want to encourage you to listen to those messages if you haven't already done so. So we're asking that each person prayerfully considers what God would want them to give. We need to pray about it because we really want to hear God's heart. And we need to prepare for it so that our hearts are ready and we come into the house on the 4th of September as cheerful givers, ready to give generously so that we can change our world and others can live. And you can do that no matter where you are in the world. You can still be part of our family and part of that one-off offering on the 4th of September. But as we get ready for God's word today, come, let's just say together, my heart's open, my mind's ready. I won't be the same again in Jesus' name Amen. Now, I want to turn to Joshua 14. Today, I'm talking about how living in overflow is life-giving. It's life-giving to each of us. So who needs more life in them right now? You know, we keep hearing all the stories of how COVID trauma is making us slower and more forgetful, etc., etc. But I believe that if we are plugged into the life-giver, we will overflow, and that in turn will be life-giving to us. Amen? So let's be expecting for a bit of Jesus' injection of life in us today. So here we are, Joshua 14. Some of us know the story of Joshua. He was the leader and warrior who led the children of Israel after Moses died. The man who said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But there was also another man with him. Another man who went into the promised land to spy it out who was also full of faith, who also trusted in God's ability over man's ability. A man who didn't just start well and then fizzle out, but was on fire for God for decades. I'm talking about Caleb. When we first hear about him in Numbers 13, he's in his 40s, and he's been chosen by Moses to be one of the 12 spies. And just a side note, I don't know about you, 
But I always thought of the spies as being young men going out into the untamed land. But actually, they were in their 40s and they were warriors of note, hardened warriors, having already fought some crazy battles, like the one where the sun stood still. And now Caleb is 85 years old. Let's read. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved around in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. What an awesome testimony. So today I want to look at four lessons from Caleb's life that if applied will create overflow in our lives and will be life-giving to us. Number one, know who you belong to. In verse six it says, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to Joshua. Now the Kenizzites were descendants of the Edomites. There are lots of ites in the Bible. And the Edomites were not exactly friendly to Israel. In fact, we read that God vowed to destroy them later in the book of Ezekiel because they had grievously offended Judah. So Caleb was an outsider by birth. But his journey was not about what or who he had been, but about who he had become, about who he belonged to, and he knew whose he was. So much so that when Moses was looking for 12 people that he could trust to check out the land, he didn't see a Kenizzite. He saw one of them. It even says in the list of men chosen, to go into the land in Numbers 13, 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Judah. That was the primary tribe of Israel. And Judah means praise. Caleb was now from the tribe of praise. He had become a worshiper of the one true God. He was a child of God. He wasn't concerned about his past or who his family had been. He had a new family and a new identity. He was looking to the future. He was willing and able to step up because his strength 
rested in the hands of his almighty God, who he belonged to, and who he knew was more than able to see him through. Caleb had seen the miracles of God firsthand, from the plagues in Egypt, so that Pharaoh would let Israelites go, to Moses holding up his rod and parting the Red Sea. And just when the enemy thought that they had Israel cornered and ready for destruction, Caleb was there to see that wall of water come crashing down on them. I pray that this speaks to someone today. You may have a sea in front of you and the enemy closing in behind you, but it's not over until God says it's over. Caleb was there on the journey through the desert, seeing the provision of God for his people. Manna in the morning, a cloud to keep them cool by the day and warm at night. Water from a rock. <clears throat> what could have killed them became a safe passage out of captivity. The enemy could not hold them back and he cannot hold you back. There is always a way out in God. Caleb had seen the mighty power of a faithful father in heaven and he loved and trusted and worshipped his God. He knew whose he was. You know, I want to remind you today that you are more than your family tree. You are more than your bank account, whether you have a little in it or a huge amount in it. You're more than that. You are more than your business's profit and loss statement, more than your job or your school or your lowest moments. So don't let the world define you because you are more than that in God. And when you know who you belong to, you will allow God to start working in you and on you so that you can step into all that he has planned for you. And that creates more life in and through you. It creates overflow. Number two, commit to God wholeheartedly. <clears throat> the name Caleb means wholehearted. It means brave or faithful. And we see six times in the word of God that it says that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. It wasn't a half in, half out kind of deal, bit wishy-washy, lukewarm, maybe God will, maybe he won't. Is God really able or isn't he kind of faith? No. And because he was all in, he got an all in reward. In Joshua 14 verse 13, it says, Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him the city of Hebron as his possession. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, because he faithfully obeyed the Lord, the God of Israel. Before this, <clears throat> Hebron was called the city of Arba. Arba had been the greatest of the Anakim. The Anakim were actually the giants. And then it goes on to say, and there was now peace in the land. Hebron was significant because it was the resting place of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob. And later in history, Hebron also became the city where David was anointed and crowned king. So now I think we would all love to get that kind of all-in reward. Not so. Looking in on someone else's blessing or reward might make you wish that you had what they have. But being all in is not always as easy as we'd like it to be. Maybe they've had to go through things that you really don't want to go through. And maybe when the going got tough for them, as it did for Caleb, they never gave up declaring the goodness of God or God's ability to come through, just as Caleb did. 
None of us know how much other people have to go through to make their faith look easy. Caleb was committed to God wholeheartedly. When those 12 men went into the land to spy it out, they could all see that it was good. It wasn't as though Caleb and Joshua got to see things that the other men didn't see. But they could also all see the challenges and the difficulties. They could all see the gigantic fruit that was there. But they could also all see the gigantic people. And that was enough to cloud the vision and change the confession of nearly all of them. They took their eyes off God and put it onto their own strength. They were looking at the challenge through natural ability, what they believed they could or couldn't do, and not on God's supernatural ability. You know, if you do that, you will not believe that you can push through or overcome. You will not be able to have overflow in your life and in your world. There will always be something in your way, some situation, some individual, some report that is so scary that it has the ability to stop you right where you are. But Caleb was processing through the eyes of his God. He was committed to God because he had already seen his power. He had seen his provision. He and Joshua could see both the giants. But in their heart and mind, those giants were nothing compared to the power of the Almighty God. When you commit to God wholeheartedly, it is life-giving because you are drawing from another source of strength that enables you to do things that you would not be able to do on your own. Jesus said the same thing later in the New Testament. In John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, I in them, will bear much fruit, for you can do nothing without me. So now here we have Caleb. He's 85 years old. Is anybody listening today? 85? Well, if you are, that is awesome. And this is just for you. Because he goes on in this passage, saying verse 10, Here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. And he wasn't joking. He was battle ready and he wanted what had been promised to him. And he goes on, he says, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and that their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. When you are wholeheartedly committed to God, when you live in overflow, you get to see extraordinary things happen in your world and you get to step into the promises of God. Caleb knew what had been promised to him. He had held that close to his heart and had not forgotten any part of it. He knew that God's word is yes and amen, and it doesn't matter how much time goes by, it's still yes and amen if you will hold on to it. But that brings us to point number three. Hold on to your God promises. Expectations matter. Because unfulfilled expectations bring a variety of feelings and emotions, which can in turn become negative. Have you ever watched those TV infomercials where they try to sell you things that are supposed to make your life so easy, like the 
spray gun that you strap on your back, pump up a few guns, and just like that, you can spray your house in a few minutes. Actually, Mark got one many years ago. And they say, how easy could that be? So you go along, you buy it from your local infomercial shop, you take it home, you get it out of the packaging, and there starts the problem. It's not easy, it's not quick, and it is crazy frustrating. And it's the same in our lives when our expectations are unrealistic. If you think that getting an amazing reward like Caleb is going to be easy, you will be disappointed. If you have no foundation from God's word, from what you're wanting to get from him, like the Rolex watch that Mark was joking about last week, then you'll be disappointed. But if like Caleb, you have been committed to God wholeheartedly, and you know that there is a promise, I believe that you can be expectant for that. You can hold on to that. Caleb wasn't just demanding any piece of land. He wanted what had been promised to him. And he had also been very realistic in his expectation of the process of how and when. He knew that the bad report of the other 10 spies had slowed down the process completely. The whole nation had literally turned around and headed right back into the desert. But that did not change his confession. So much so that people actually wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua for how strongly they believed that God could and would see them have victory in their land. And so they were made to wait when there was no lack to their faith. They'd actually done nothing wrong. They'd done it all right. But they still had to wait and watch every one of that generation die off until they were the only ones left before they could move forward. But as soon as things started to shift, Caleb was ready. He knew that easy was never promised, but God's presence was. So he reminds Joshua of all they have been through and the promise that had been given to him from God through Moses. So he says, so on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time that he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. He said to Joshua, we've been through so much together. We've wandered around this desert for over 45 years, but it was promised to me and now I want my promise. Give me my mountain. God said I can have it. He said he would be with me. He said that he would be my strength to help me drive the giants out and I want what was promised to me. So give it to me now. Some of you need to remind yourself of the promises God has made, that he has promised to be with you and to help you overcome. He wants you to have the victory in him so that you will overflow with praise and gratitude because of his exceedingly abundant goodness. You need to remind yourself that God's timing is not our timing. But if you are following him with your whole heart, you will feel the shift in the season. You will know when it's time to put your foot down and say, give me 
my mountain. It was promised and I want it. 45 years had not slowed Caleb down at all. It had not changed his confession to God's ability, God's faithfulness, or God's promise. Now, as we get closer to our heart for the house offering, some of us have been sowing seeds of faith and trusting God for answers to our prayers for many years. I want to encourage you to never give up. Because some of our prayer seeds are like dandelion seeds, which God could answer in a relatively short space of time. But some of our sowing is like sowing an acorn needing that oak tree answer. And that oak tree takes way longer than any dandelion needs to grow. Does it make one right and one wrong? No, it's just different timing. For Caleb, it was never just about him. Yes, he had a promise. Yes, he held on and was faithful and was committed to God wholeheartedly. But God was wanting to move an entire nation into a promise, not just one person. So when you are expecting for God to move, but he doesn't do it in your time frame, what do you do? Do you just walk away from him? No, you need to stay close to God. Live with the overflow of a good confession. Trust and believe and hold on to the promise because that is life-giving. That is what kept Caleb going. It kept him strong with purpose and direction. You can make it through the longest and most difficult seasons when you hold on to your promises that are grounded in God. You may face challenges, afflictions, difficulties, but you will be able to stay grounded because he will deliver you out of them all. The Bible says to us in Psalms, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not just some, but all. And now that is a promise to hold on to. Number four, determine God's goodness will be your legacy. I don't know about you, but I want all that God has promised for me and for my family. I want to see not just the next generation stand strong for Jesus, but many generations after that as well. And I believe that Caleb did as well because he reminded Joshua that the promise had been for him and his children forever. He says, so on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. If you read further on in the book of Joshua, you will see that Caleb's daughter goes to her father to ask for a special favor for her and to give her an even greater mm -hmm. inheritance. It says in uh, chapter 15, verse 19, she says to her dad, do me a special favor. Since you have given me the land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. Now, I just want to say in the culture of that day, for a woman to be given an inheritance was really unusual. So to be given an additional extra generous one, like the one that her dad gave to her, really got attention. So much so that that conversation was written up in history in that book. And you must know, it sits right between all the warriors fighting off giants to take their land. And then Caleb's daughter talks to her dad for a favor. And then they carry on fighting giants for the land. Our God is generational. 
He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He loves you. And he wants, you to see, he wants to see you anchored in him as well as your children and their children for generations to come. So we as a church are very aware that we need to continually be seeding and sowing into the next generation. We want that to be our legacy because the kingdom of God is only as strong as the next generation is. We cannot ever think that our best days are behind us. Because God is not done with any of us yet. He is always on the move. But the question is, are you moving with him? Is your overflow creating a legacy in your world? Is your faith in Christ Jesus giving you more life? Is it creating a life-giving environment around you? As we come to a close today, I want to remind you of another event that took place on a different mountain about 1,500 years after Caleb. Maybe you've heard of it, or maybe not. But that place was called Calvary. That was another promise that was being fulfilled, another battle that was taking place, and one that was the ultimate overflow of a life that was life-giving. Jesus was fighting for you and me so that we could step into the promise of God that was about our eternity. He won that battle so that you and I could have life right now and forever. Accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross is not just a ticket to heaven or a get out of jail free card, but it really is a live life to the fullest invitation. That is what Jesus is all about. When Caleb was alive, there was no Jesus. He was just a promise for the future. No man could simply walk into the presence of God whenever they wanted to. But today we can, we get to do that, all because of what he did through that battle on the cross. So today I need to ask you, do you know whose you are? Have you accepted Jesus by faith? Are you committed wholeheartedly to God? Are you walking with him? If your answer is no, but you know that there is a shift in your heart and you really wanna be in a relationship with the living God, I would love you to pray this very simple but very powerful prayer with me. Let's pray. Dear God, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and help me live for you from this point on. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I'm really excited for you as today is the first day to the rest of your life. Here at The Rock, we believe that you can overflow with all the amazing things that God has in store for you as you walk with Him and discover how life-giving He is. But thank you everyone for being online with us and I trust that you have the most fabulous week ahead. Please don't forget to share hope, show kindness, and definitely shine Jesus.